0: I want to introduce Daryl Kaler to you. Uh, Daryl and Elaine were missionaries in Bolivia for many years, and uh, so we both uh, share uh, God's mother tongue Spanish. Um, We have that in common. And I'm gonna ask Elaine and the rest of the family there to stand because, yeah, because everybody needs to know who you are. (laughs) Uh, they've, They've been with us for some time, but I just want to point them out so that you can greet them afterwards. And uh, so, uh, Daryl, we're really happy that it finally worked. He does so much traveling. Um, we've we stuck him in at Christmas because that's when it worked. Uh, so we're we're happy to have you share with us what the Lord has laid on your heart.
1: All right, thank you, Pastor Ernie, and I'm glad to be stuck in here at Christmas uh, w- with you. It is good to be here. Thank you for being a place uh, for our family this past year. Um, as you know, we've so you that's Elaine, my wife. Uh, we got four kids, two are, are married, Erica and Jeff, most recently married in September um, attend here a fair bit as well, and so we're we're glad to be here um, yeah we're i we've talked about opportunity to preach here for a while, but my work with scope leadership development takes me around this year's been three trips to Belize, three trips to Mexico, some of the places where you guys have been, and Leroy and Faith as well, and uh, a trip to Bolivia this year. Our next trip will be in January. Elaine and I will be in Bolivia for another three weeks. And so, yeah, I work with uh, churches and ministries, schools, but also a lot with businesses, especially in, in Mexico and Belize, uh, in, the, in the business world there, and love it. Love the variety And just in case it's true that they say the heavenly language is Spanish, uh, Elaine and I learned Spanish, uh, so it'll be less of a shocker (laughs) when we get there. But hey, you know, I love the variety. It's exciting. That's the Church of Jesus Christ. Uh, It doesn't have one color, one flavor, one style, uh, but it's that kind of a variety, and uh, that's something to, to look forward to. Um, I recognize it's, it's the Advent Sunday on our church calendar of love, the emphasis, uh, but Pastor Ernie gave me uh, freedom to not stick to that topic. Originally, we were going to do something earlier, but I'm going to try to blend the two. Uh, I want to blend love, but the title of my message is Loved with a Purpose, because in that love that God has showed to us, uh, He has, has a purpose, not only eternally, but a purpose in life here, here and now. Um, like to just look at the. I'd like you to help me with this next uh, slide here. A very familiar verse. I'd like you to repeat it with me together. Are you ready? Here we go. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Probably one of the most known verses in the continent. I haven't watched too many FIFA games, but there's even in soccer games, there seems to be somebody with John 3.16 <laughs> or something. You know, you see this around the world, and, and people don't always know what it is. But, but this is, is a well-known verse, and it's so important, and it starts with, God so loved the world that he gave. At Christmas time, we focus on giving. Right, we, we think of gifts. And, and, and this verse is, is all about that, and it's so foundational. And, and then is the promise that whoever will believe in him won't perish, but will have eternal life. Not only, you know, God gave regardless. He sent his son. Um, he, he gave an unconditional gift. There is something conditional, though, and that is our response to him. I don't know if you think back of of Christmas over all the years and you have a favorite or a most difficult memory. Um, Maybe it's, uh, you know, you missed somebody, a loved one passed away and that first Christmas or the following uh, can be tough. Or you have favorite Christmas memories. Maybe you got, I don't know what you got a car, <laughs> or you got engaged, you opened a ring uh, on, on Christmas morning, what, whatever it is, those favorite things. I, I shared this at the um, uh, Hispanic uh, ministry evening last weekend, but I remember one Christmas when I was younger, and uh, mom did a good job of, of preparing the house, and she's very creative in all the Christmas baking and colorful cookies, and and, AND ALL OF THAT, AND MADE SURE THE HOUSE WAS CLEAN. AND WHEN WE WERE YOUNGER, ME AND MY SISTERS WOULD HAVE MATCHING CHRISTMAS OUTFITS. STILL TWITCH A BIT. <laughs> the, THE PURPLE velour, <laughs> etc. CETERA. <laughs> AND THE PICTURES THAT ARE THERE. BUT, but, but AS A KID, I MEAN, it, IT WAS LIKE, MOM MADE THIS SPECIAL, RIGHT? OR LIKE, MOM AND DAD. BUT, but OUR HOME WAS LIKE, WE GOT READY, for Christmas. And we kind of had, you know, some Christmas traditions, and it was just like really exciting, and look forward to Christmas morning. And, uh, and we did common and Peter, you talked about that this morning, like you set out bowls and, and gifts and, and things like that. So it was, was really exciting. But I, I remember this one Christmas, uh, it was Christmas Eve in the evening, and my parents had helped to put together a food basket, I think it was like a laundry hamper, I can't remember, but but a lot of food. We had some homegrown chickens uh, that we had butchered and put some of those in there, and, and other food and some Christmas baking and so on. Then we got into our Ford Torino or Ford Mercury, I'm not sure which one it exactly was then. but And we, we drove, you know, 10 miles or so uh, to drop off this food hamper to a family. And we got to this house, large two-story house, old building drafty, and, and we go in through the cluttered porch, and to my young eyes, it was a disaster, it was a mess, they were not ready for Christmas the way I, uh, I knew it, um, there, there was a mess everywhere, um, there, there was you know kids running around, dad was sick on a couch in a dark living room, and, and we went there and we brought this food basket there. And it made an impression on me. I knew they were sick, there were great, great needs, and um, we were able to help them, some of that. But, but the impression that it made on me is that we still live in a broken world. We still live in a world of need. And so often uh, we can order our personal lives and yet... Um, we we live in this world of chaos, of despair, uh, of of a lack of hope, and and that contrast, good and evil, hope and despair, chaos and comfort, um, is is our is our reality, and we're not exempt from it. It doesn't matter how orderly, how perfect our world, our lives may be. We still live in a broken world where sickness, pain. Uh, loneliness and all of those things come, come in. So this morning, what I want to tell you is that God has a unique and, a unique divine purpose for your life and for mine, even in, and especially in a messy and broken world that we live in. You're not here by accident. Who you are, all of your collective experiences, your background, your circumstances are no accident. God knows those things, and yet he has a unique and divine purpose for your life. And that comes as a response to his love to us. Our love is a response. The love that we share among each other with other people is a response to God's love with us. And in his love, we have a purpose. In the passage that Wilbert read, and Wilbert told me before the service that this was one of his favorite passages, right, Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to look at those 10 verses, but I'm especially, all of it is going to lead up to that last verse where I'm going to put particular emphasis on Ephesians 2.10, which says, we are God's handiwork or workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. God doesn't just save us and then that's where it's at. He gives us a purpose once he calls us to himself. And as we look into Ephesians 2, uh, it could also be a rendition of really what happens at, at Christmas, a reminder that our love is responding to the love that he gave to us. And in that, we have a purpose. So uh, three key things that we're going to look at in this Ephesians 2 passage, and I've broken it down into to three things. First of all, before Jesus were spiritually dead and deserving eternal punishment, those are the first three verses that we're going to look at, verses 4 to 9, and uh, that is through Jesus we're spiritually alive and seated in Christ, and then we'll go on to the third one. So for now, let's just talk a little bit about that first one. Um, Ephesians 2, 1 to 3. And if you have your Bibles, uh, you can follow along with me and we'll, we'll take a look at that. Um, and, and this is really a look at what things were like, uh, a reminder of who we were before Christ, those of us that, that are, are following Christ and put our faith in Christ, or a reminder of, of where you might be at if, if you haven't A reminder of the reality of the world around us. A key ingredient in here is sin. It talks about transgressions and sin, but we'll just talk, going really in depth in this whole passage. But sin is, is basically, it's a, a term that comes from archery, um, where you shoot the arrow but you miss the mark. That, that's the definition of, of sin, missing the mark. We miss the mark of God's original design for us. And instead of seeing God's plan and purpose for us, we, we miss that. And, and that's why um, the world around us that doesn't focus on Christ uh, is going to seek meaning in other ways. Um, and, and in summary of this passage, it says, Before Christ, we followed the world's value system, looking for something, some measure that we're going to weigh life with and so basically following the majority the world's value system it talks about in this passage the guidance of satan the ruler the kingdom of the air and and satan is the arch enemy of god uh, who cannot touch god but he will do his best to interfere with the uh, highest of god's creation which is mankind created in the image of God. And and so he um, is is at work around us. And without Christ, before Christ, we're under his guidance. And then it talks a fair bit about our fleshly desires. What drives us? We all have fleshly desires, those innate desires within us that God wants to use for good under the power of his Holy Spirit. But uh, the, the world, our flesh, also has draws to that and and you know you can think about your own life think about people around you uh, what drives them we, we tend to be self-centered and seek our own desires and and we don't always follow those in in, in very good ways um, we're, we're self-pleasing and in along that path if we follow that path we not only hurt ourselves we we hurt people. Along the way, and in the end, uh, this passage tells us that we're deserving of God's wrath, meaning that we have missed the mark. We, we, if we haven't accepted God's gift, then um, we, we don't receive that eternal life. Uh, One of, uh, you know, it's been interesting the last three years uh, with the pandemic and different restrictions, and I've actually been busier than ever. Part of that being south of our border. Um, but uh, just seeing the the, the impact, and there's no doubt that it has has impacted us, and it's impacted churches, but uh, during the height of our restrictions that we had here around us, um, when possible, uh, you know, it was really tight. We couldn't have people in our homes, even, and stuff like that. I, I love to tinker in our garage, so I'd have our garage door open. We live in Niverville. Grads are open, and 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 sometimes just tinker there. I Had to see somebody. Um, I need my alone time too, but we got to see people. And uh, the one time I was I was tinkering on something, and and uh, a guy walked by with his his little dog, and I said hi. He said hi, and he kind of paused. And I said, hey, nice dog. What's your dog's name? And that started a conversation going, and we started. Started talking, which led to several hours, a whole evening, basically, of of talking. Uh, Really appreciated the guy. Lived a block away, um, grew up in our community, and uh, grew up in church, and subsequently had traveled the world, explored the world, and with that explored whatever philosophies and offerings the world uh, had, very smart, intelligent guy, um, but in all of our conversation, toward the end of our conversation, he looks over at me, says, "You know what? I think that's what's missing. I don't have a purpose. I'm searching. I'm still searching. And, and he knew some of the answer, but, but there are so many people find that uh, are seeking, for that purpose and, and come up empty come up empty in what the world has to offer proverbs 14:12 says there is a way that appears to be right to man but in the end it leads to death and so that's what the first part of our passage is about our depravity without Christ and and that results in a lack of meaning and and purpose and um, you know there might even be some of you listening or, or listening online that, that say hey I've never con- considered this before. And I, the question I would throw to you is, is what motivates you? What, what drives you? What are you pursuing? And are you finding that? How satisfying is that to you? And I ask, invite you to consider that. And maybe you are a follower of Jesus, but you also ask yourself, hey, what's the purpose of life? And this passage, these first three verses, are a reminder of where we have come from and the broken world we live in. And it's easy even for us as followers of Christ to, to forget. Let's move on to the second part, verse 4. And, and this is the good news. So this is the contrasting part. And verse 4 starts with but. This is one of those but God passages. The most exciting part, if you hear somebody sharing their testimony, but God. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ, seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages we might show the grace, he might show the grace, uh, show the incomparable grace, riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. This is really important. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. This is a gift of God. Not by works, so that no one should boast. Um, and and we, we see, we could break this passage down, but, but notice in this passage, it mentions his great love, his rich mercy, the riches of God's grace. Grace appears three times. God's unmerited favor toward us. We didn't deserve it, but, but he gave it, it's by His grace. Uh, kindness is mentioned and that in, in salvation is a, a gift of God. We're positionally seated in the, with Christ in the heavenlies. That's what, what our passage tells us here. Now Elaine and I attended a funeral on Friday on Friday of a family friend and, and this was a person who had a faith in Christ and, and there was references made to that and we celebrated her going to, her eternal home, and, and the freedom from the, the pain and sickness she'd been suffering from. And, and while we're all headed there, positionally, in Christ, we're already seated in the heavenly realms. Uh, we have already that eternal hope that we live out here on earth. And this passage is, a remind, is reminding us of, through the work of Christ, uh, that we, we can have that. Psalm 1611 says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are eternal uh, pleasures. And, and this is the, the good news. The, the result or the, how we attain this is found in verses 8 and 9. You know, I believe everybody, at least most people, virtually everybody I've talked to wants to go to Heaven. Right? Wants to go to a better place. Um, we all do. Now, there's some many philosophies of how we get there. Much of it has to do with he was a good person more than he was bad, and and we can even as believers fall into that. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but how are we saved? By grace. By grace. Our re- it's God's grace. Our response is faith. This is a gift. From God, And so His grace is sufficient, and our response is faith. And this passage makes it really clear. It's not by works. It's not by works because there's this tendency that's there to think that we're good enough. We do, do our works, but it is by, by faith. So now let's move to the third uh, part of this passage, and that's Ephesians 2, verse 10. Um, in this good news... Um, You know, God saving us from our past, bringing us into eternal life, a life of hope and positionally already seated in the heavenly realms. Verse 10 says, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I'd like to break down this slide just a little bit, and um, if, if you can just pop that verse up there. We're God's handiwork. And uh, the next slide, here's a, a little illustration, which I think is a, a good one. This actually demonstrates what Paul is trying to say there. We're his handiwork. Some um, passages say workmanship. And what it means in the Greek, I'm not a Greek expert, but, but by researching it, workmanship or handiwork uh, means being able to make something, but it's not like, like this, that you make it. And now it's done, okay? It's finished. It, it has the implication of a continually being at work. And so the potter, uh, in, in the illust- good illustration of it, is, is a potter who starts with a lump of clay and starts to shape it, starts to mold it. And as he's molding, you start to see something beautiful, something nice com- coming out of it. And we might think we're done, but the potter's not done. He keeps molding. And as believers, it sometimes it hurts. When he touches a spot, the area of our life you say, Ouch, I don't want that one move. But he 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 continues to to mold and as a picture comes together, it becomes more beautiful and beautiful. And and that's the process of the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in our lives when, when God is working in us. Another illustration of this would be a painter. Uh, who, who's painting something. I remember driving through Morris one time when they were painting a big mural on the side of Big Way there. I thought, wow, that's awesome. It was a black and white drawing of the horses and stuff. And then all of a sudden, there's more colors in there. And then I'd drive by again, and there's more colors. And it's like an artist that is, is, is painting, and, and as they're painting, they're adding more detail, adding more color, and it's becoming richer and deeper and and more detail that we, we thought would never be there. And so when, when Scripture says we are God's handiwork, we are his workmanship, it, it's a picture of God continuing to work in us. And so regardless of where you are at today, just reflect on your life. God's still working on you. Sometimes we know it. We like to ignore it. <laughs> But, but he's working on us. And sometimes we can look back and we see, wow, he's changed me. Um, I'm, I'm seeing that, that, that work uh, in us. So say to the person behi- beside you, you are God's handiwork. Tell the other person on the other side of you, you're God's handiwork. Now tell them, I am God's handiwork. Okay, God, God's working in us. God has a plan and a purpose and, and continues to work in us. You are made by God and for God, and until you understand that, life will never make sense. Quote by Rick Warren. You're made by God and for God, and until you understand that, life will never make sense. Uh, in, in my travels, uh, especially down south, but, but here in Canada too, and when I have opportunity to work in, in Mennonite circles... Uh, there's, there's a, a phrase um, that's very well known uh, in Plotich, and if you have Mennonite background, you will recognize this. Don't mind nushmet me, or dot not ask me. It means nothing with me. It would be a direct translation. I am worth nothing. It, it's a false humility that is somehow ingrained in our, our Mennonite cultural thinking that, oh, I'll just, you know, who am I? Right? Well, Pastor Ernie, he could do it, but who am I? Right? Um, there's don't and, me, and I know this isn't just a low German Mennonite thinking. I encounter it in Spanish context, and in another context. I, I really believe it's a lie of the enemy. It's a lie of the enemy that to try to put us down, because God said, You are my workmanship. Enemy cannot touch God, but he'll say, I'm gonna to try to put you down as, as God's God's creation uh, you're not here by accident uh, you are God's handiwork um, I'd like to there, this is a, a whole wide theme we can open up and actually much of my work that I do is is somehow uh, comes back to this and and it's interesting so I get to work in churches but also in businesses and you um, you know, sometimes businesses will say, well, So you're going to, like, you're not going to preach to us, are you? I said, Hey, whatever you want. <laughs> I said, No, the, the principles at work in life and leadership and business principles are essentially godly principles. That's where they come from. Read, read any business book and, and look where, where where they come from. But, but I said, I, I put on a cross cultural hat. You want business? <laughs> We talk about the same things. We don't have to bring in Scripture. We don't have to talk about God. Uh, But in church, uh, we we have it right here in in Scripture. But what I'd like to do, just really briefly, when we we think about God's handiwork, uh, His workmanship, so who are we? Because I really believe that we are each uniquely designed by God to live that out. Um, If you look at the person beside you, you look different, right? Some of you have hair and some don't. Uh, your eye colors, your, you know, your stature, like, um, we're, we're unique. And, and God has made us uh, unique in how he wants to uh, mold us and and use us. And um, so, uh, here, here's one uh, piece. We'll go to the next slide, and, and I use this one. Uh, Oh, let's stay on that slide since it's already there, right? Um, And and look at this, we're God's handiwork. Why? We're creating Christ Jesus to do good works, okay? When we come to Christ, uh, he gives us a purpose, and that is to carry out his work. And the verses before that, if there's any doubt, verses 8 and 9 are very clear that our works do not save us, okay? Really, really clear, works do not save us. Uh, We're saved by grace, and our response is faith. But once we are saved, once we are in Christ, he created us in Christ Jesus to do good works. We do have a purpose. We do have a reason to live in the here and now. And then this last part, I don't fully understand it yet, which God prepared in advance for us to do. What I do believe is that in his great divine eternal plan, there's a reason that you are here in this time in history in this place, in this community, or the places he's calling you to today. He prepared that in advance. It's not out of our own doing, our own intelligence, or it shouldn't be, but God has prepared this in advance. We are part of his divine and greater plan in all of this. Christmas, what we celebrate, Christ's coming, is designed to change the world and eternity. Uh, He loved the whole world. Uh, the world doesn't all know it, and that's probably part of our calling. But, but in the midst of all of that, so where's handiwork? Creating Christ Jesus to do those good works, what are they? I want to take you through just a few areas to consider about how unique of a handiwork you are. Here's the first one, and this has to do with our personal style or our temperament. And uh, I actually use this a lot in, in most of the training that I do not all but this is one of the things um, we we can look at we sometimes call it a personal style or behavioral style or if you're familiar with the four four temperaments I'll go through them them real real quick but we're not going to do a whole whole workshop here in March those of you leadership that are going to be part of one we will go into some of of this as well there's the D style people we call them dominant or driven uh, they like to move fast they like action results uh, they, they want to get things done. The first question they ask is what? What are we going to get out of this? What are we going to get done? Um, they, they're just wired for results, and they often, like, if things aren't moving, let's get moving. Even if we don't know what we're going to get done, uh, they like to have things moving. Um, Gary Smalley calls this a dominant lion, okay, the king of the jungle. The vehicle, perhaps, would be a bulldozer. Some would say an army tank. Like, nothing stops it. Just keep going. Okay, if somebody gets run over, they should have moved. Their <laughs> fault. Right? They're just so driven. It's not that they want to hurt people, but they are just so driven that toward results that occasionally people get in the way. It's like one leader said, well, no, I, I like people. I mean, I I need people to get stuff done. Oops. <laughs> I mean, it just, that drive for results, especially if you're really strong in that. Then there's the eye style, influencing or interactive. They also like to move fast. But rather than on the task side of, of things, um, they're on the people side of things. Okay, so these are kind of often the life of a party. Uh, they like to talk when nobody else is talking, they fill the gap. Uh, They focus on people, and uh, they tend to be really creative and and have ideas a minute and can sometimes hardly share them fast enough. Um, They love to start things. They don't always finish them because a shinier thing came up, and they're off after that. Routine is boring to them, and they'll start to lack oxygen if they're too much in that. Gary Smalley calls us a playful otter. Always together, always moving, always doing doing something. Their vehicle would probably be a convertible, a shiny red convertible, the top-down, a loud stereo, and just sharing the happiness with the whole world around. It's not meant to keep in. It rains, and they say, well, the sun will shine again. Tend to be optimistic, and just moving along at a fast pace and uh, like to keep things uh, moving. Neither the D or the I styles want to miss an opportunity either to say something or to do something and actually a combination of those are often the entrepreneurs that start up new things and keep it moving you know especially the d style you say oh, it's never been done before <laughs> you'll see challenge accepted i'll be the first right so they like to keep things moving then we move to the s style steadiness or support of also these are on the people side uh, like the i style And uh, they uh, are, but they're more moderate paced, okay? They tend to be good listeners. They least like conflict typically. And um, they, you know, they'll process. And and they'll agree with you because they're listening. um, And you can mistakenly think that they're agreeing with your idea. And they're smiling, but inside they're, "Mm mm-mm. But they're just not sure how to tell you in a nice way. Yet, Or they're still processing, okay? They're going to need more time to, to process those things. A loyal Labrador retriever is often a good animal picture of this, always man's best friend. Get along, tend to be glue on a team, and uh, their vehicle sometimes said to be a minivan. It's practical, accommodating. Uh, you can get a lot of people in, has the radio, not too loud, but it's comfortable. Room for one more room for extra things. Then the C style, conscientiousness or cautious, uh, also on the moderate pace but, but highly analytical. Uh, they like to get it right, okay? Uh, and they don't like sloppy work, tend to be perfectionists, and it'll take them time. Often they're never done, It's never quite good enough. They're hard on themselves and they can be hard on others, have tons of questions. And stuff you haven't thought about, they actually read the, uh, the manual before they plug in the, the device. And uh, so they, they're often experts in something. Uh, the animal could be a hard-working beaver, very industrious, always could be better. Their vehicle, it's been a bit of a toss-up. Some say it'd be a Volvo, some a Mercedes or a Tesla. Uh, something with a lot of complicated, um, intricate things. And there's a reason why all of, all of that so, all of these are good, they're all equal, but they just describe how we, why we do what we do. They're not excuses, they just help us to understand that. And so if you think of the people in your family, the people around you, um, you can see some of these characteristics. In reality, we're a combination of all of these to, to some, some extent. Cross your arms for a moment. Okay, now cross your arms the other way. Feels a little weird, right? (laughs) Unless some of you are very ambidextrous. It is just an illustration. I saw some of you hesitating Uh, which which way that goes. There's a certain way that's just comfortable to us. That's the lens we wear. That's how we do life. And why shouldn't others do the same as we do? Why don't they think the same? And this is where you can have clashes or you can build a really strong, strong team. So um, there, there's a lot more we could say on that, but um, we, we tend to maybe exalt our style or we tend to undermine it when we compare with other people. What's important here is just become comfortable with, with who God has made you to be. Let's go on to another one, and this is spiritual gifts. And this is really big in the church, and, and there, there's, these are four key passages, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4, which gives us lists of, of, eternal, uh, of spiritual gifts. And we won't go much into detail here, but to say that every believer has at least one spiritual gift. And, and God wants to use those. One of the illustrations I like to use is a Leatherman tool that I like to carry with me, even in church today. Um, there's a ton of different things, different size screwdrivers, knives, whatever you need. And, and God has given, poured out spiritual gifts, at least a gift to every believer or more, that he wants to use. We don't equally do well what other people do. But we all have a part, and uh, you know, uh, you—they threatened to turn this on, this mic on during singing, and I said that wouldn't be very edifying to to everybody because God's gifts are designed to bring glory to God and to edify the body of Christ, to edify other people. And so many people, and and maybe you are here. You're not quite sure what your spiritual giftedness is, and it, it's in many ways, more difficult to figure out than our styles because of uh, we really need to look for fruit, and sometimes other people see it around us. We're not going to take more time on that just for the sake of, of time, but let's go to the, a third area, is just to call it your sense of calling. Uh, what, what is, you know, and this can be a little hard to define sometimes, but, but think of it this way. What, what's the passion that God has placed on your heart? What burns within you when, when you look around you? Um, and sometimes it's like, what bothers you in the church? Maybe God's gifted you <laughs> in that area, and it's called you, equipped you to, to fill that gap. What knowledge and abilities, the, the talent, the life experiences God's given you, and then the relationships that he's already placed in your life or, or wants to place in you, and it can be a little subjective, the sense of calling, but, but it, it takes some time to reflect on, on uh, what is God's calling to me and and I meet many uh believers, leaders, and in, in different areas of ministry, and and a lot of them feel like I'm different. Does that mean I'm weird? Well, not necessarily, <laughs> <laughs> just be true to your calling. Yeah, you're gonna be different. Your whole mix of these things, you're Temperament, um, your personality, style, your giftedness, your sense of calling is going to be unique. And, and when you gain a sense of that, it gives you a sense of purpose and, and reason for doing what, what we're doing. Well, um, let's, let's draw this to a close. Our, our, the title of my message was Loved with a Purpose. For we are God's workmanship or handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. I believe part of the true meaning of Christmas is to remind us of God's great love to us and at work in us. And in and through that, he gives us meaning and purpose for life. You're his workmanship, his handiwork, and God has a purpose for you. Uh, It's like a good friend of mine, Ruben Mercado, who passed away. He was an evangelist from Bolivia, a pastor. Um, Spent 10 years in Mexico City, Uh, very on fire. He passed away last year uh, due to COVID. And one of the things he said, esta es tu generación. This is your generation. And and he, he would remind me of that personally and tell that to people, we are not responsible for the next generation. We're responsible for this generation, the time and place that God has placed us in here. We can't influence the past, but esta es tu generación. And uh, as we look around, we see a lot of, of opportunity. God has a purpose for you right now. And and maybe, uh, you know, you've been walking with the Lord a long time, and this is pretty obvious. I uh, just encourage you just keep on going. Uh, keep doing what God's called you to, or or start doing something that He's, he's calling you to. Uh, maybe you're growing, and you're in the pro- process of, of really growing and discovering trying to figure out Things out, and uh, some of you might feel like you're kind of in a wilderness, uh, wandering, waiting, searching. And, and I say, just hold your hands open and, and, and be open to the Lord and, and what he, he calls you to. And, and for some of you, you might uh, just be starting or wondering how to start, and uh, encourage you to turn to God, become a devoted follower of Christ, and, and allow him to do that work in you. We are God's handiwork, creating Christ Jesus to do good works which he prepared in advance for us to do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your work in our lives. Thank you for giving your son unconditionally to a world that, for a large part rejected him, and yet that message is as true today as it was 2,000 years ago. Thank you that you came and provided a way out of the darkness, out of the chaos, out of the despair, and you bring us hope. And yet we live in this world, uh, which is our reality, And in that, in your marvelous grace, uh, in your divine uh, work, you call us to be uh, instruments of you. We're your workmanship, you're working on us. Continue to stir in us, Lord, the things that you want to teach each one of us, even over this Christmas season, and uh, and, and just bring clarity to us where we need clarity in seeing your continued work in us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, Daryl. Was Blank. that
0: a Latino minute? That's a Latino minute, yeah. Blank. Uh, we got no challenges this morning, uh, but I do have a
1: question. Sure. Yeah.
0: How, just practically, how do I discover the good works that God has prepared for me?
1: Talk to your pastor. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. I think
0: sometimes we're looking for some big yeah, thing. Right. We're sitting there looking for some big thing when maybe we should just do what's in front of us. Yeah. And and maybe I know it's cliche to say that it's easier to steer a car once it's moving, mm-hmm. but but maybe it's just do what's what's in front of you. That's and right. And there's a process then of discovery that happens. And right. then I guess listen to guys like Daryl and others that can uh, can recognize gifting and, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and calling and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's a process. <clears throat> a, the challenge we have is we want to see, especially if you're C-style, like I showed you, you want to know the plan 100% before you take the next step. Most of times, God doesn't work that way. When God calls, how often does He say in Scripture, fear not? There's a reason. <laughs> when he came to Mary, when he came to the shepherds, do not be afraid. Yeah. And so uh, it's yeah, but I I think that's the key place to start. Ernie is just honestly saying, Lord, what is the next thing you place in front of me? Sometimes it's right there. I think God is more interested in you knowing His will than you are. Yeah. Um, And so you start there. Yeah. If you're not willing to take that that next step, and yeah, it does. It's easier to look back and say, Wow, I saw God God lead me. That that's healthy to do. But that can can give you strength and. And saying, okay, I don't quite see it, but I'm going to do this. And then as you do that, I think there's value in the body of Christ um, to discern that together. Uh, because it can sometimes be tough to see in, in, in seeing that, that fruit. And sometimes you have to experiment things. You know, I remember one, one pastor at church said, hey, I take our young people and I get them in different ministries. At some point they're going to be in the, the, the praise ministry, Sunday school, youth, evangelism, and they're going to discover what isn't their calling and, and what yep. is. Good. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much, Daryl. Uh,
0: you said fear not. The other side of that advice is that if you're married to a D, sleep with one eye open. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's do some more singing.